Now, I said at the beginning, we don't have a lot of audio from way back. We've done all that at the 10th anniversary, the 20th anniversary, even some of the the 25th. But we do have some things here that I don't think that we've aired. Um, and if we have aired them, it's been so long ago that, that I don't even remember. And some of them are actually kind of instructive in explaining how we got here because they go back to 1989 which was a year after this program had started. But grab audio soundbite number one. This one I have not heard. Now, what this is, Cookie found a... She's put together a montage of me when I was a disc jockey in suburban Pittsburgh, McKeesport, Pennsylvania. This is 1971. I was 20. And this was my first job away from home. And I, I remember I moved there in uh, in February of 1971, arrived in the middle of a blizzard with the windshield wipers on my 1969 Pontiac Le Mans having shut down. And the last 30 miles into town were harrowing. But there was no way I was going to stop. I was going to get there. I don't know how I did it without running into something. But I got there. Now, anybody who does what what I do here will tell you they don't they don't like looking at years old stuff it's embarrassing like Sean Hannity has told me he does, he cannot stand watching tapes of the old Hannity and Combs show he can't believe he looks so nerdy and and, and I it's the same thing here I I I don't watch myself on TV ever even 2 hours after it's done and listening to old radio tapes it's painful it, it really is painful. You know what I just about the top of the hour break when when um, some people have said, and by the I don't take this personally. Don't misunderstand. These people that made this comment to me were not trying to be offensive. Uh, everybody wants to help. I have found that over the years. Friends, acquaintances, everybody wants to help. And uh, people have said everything. My show's never been better. You know, I kind of liked it a little bit better way back when there was a lot more production value in it. You ever thought about going back to that? I said, yeah, I have. And in fact, I've even done it a couple. I've gone back and done some of those old updates, and I feel 10 years old again. I, it, it, that was that was appropriate for who I was then, but it just doesn't feel appropriate, except to do it as a greatest hits kind of thing. But to, to start sneaking that stuff back in as part of the, the regular ingredients of the program, believe me, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't fit. And the reason for that is, is really, it, it's quite simple. And it's back to this note that I got from a friend last night. Do you, do you know, and again, I, I do not know. I don't stop to think about things like this. Because honestly, I'm too busy thinking about the next day. I don't know how else to say this. But I don't reflect. Before I got to this point, I thought that I would. When I gazed around at other successful people, in any field, be they athletes or uh, business people, I, I I wondered what are their lives like? What do they do? Do they go home at night and think about all they've done? Do they just sit alone and think about what they've done and 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 feel really good about it? And I eventually got a chance to ask that question to a lot of people, and 
I can I tell you the honest truth is that not a one of them have said yes. They've also never occurred to me. Um, and it doesn't occur to me either because the next day is too important. If you take what you do seriously, and I do, and when I talk about meeting and surpassing all of the expectations of you people in the audience, I mean that more than anything. And so I'm always thinking forward and I will beat myself up if I think I've done a lousy show or lousy job, but then I'll console myself by saying there's tomorrow to fix it. So she sends me this note. She says, do you know how few people can say they've had the same ethics, morality, conscience, political core beliefs, connectivity with themselves in their 20s through their 40s and into their 60s into their best years? Do you know how few people can say that? <clears throat> I, I don't think about it. I have had friends of mine say in the recent past, the last five or six years, why don't you do something else? What else do you have left to prove? How many times can you say what you think? For crying out, these are all people who have stopped doing what they were doing when I met them and either not doing anything or trying to do something new. Why, why don't you just, God, you could do anything. Why don't you do it? Because I love what I do. I absolutely love it. There's nothing else I want to do. There's nothing, I, I, I'm not sitting around thinking, what else could I do? If it do anything else, it would be an add-on to this with this remaining as the foundation. But to drop this and do something, that would never even occur to me. Just like changing my core beliefs would never occur to me. Changing my beliefs of what I consider important and hold, it would never occur to me. And uh, so in that sense, uh, the note goes on to, this is why you are perceived as reliable. But I don't, I don't actively think about that. I just try to be who I am day to day. And I have an opportunity to do it in public. So anyway, we get these old tapes, old examples, and they're always embarrassing. But at the time, thought I was hot stuff. I mean, at any time, this Pittsburgh DJ stuff or 1992 during the Clinton years, thought it was hot stuff. Go back and listen to some of it now. I, honestly, some of it is good. I'll admit, some of it, I go, yeah, that's, but a lot of it, oh, gee. But it's true, I think, of anybody. But I look at pictures of themselves from the past or have audio or video reminders of themselves in the past, and not just appearance, but uh, maturity level and all that. So I play this with some trepidation. I haven't heard it. I vaguely remember it. Well, no, I don't vaguely. I remember this like it was yesterday, too. So, again, this is at a station that was called WIXZ, Wixie. The format was oldies called Salted, er, Solid Rock and Gold. I called it Salted Rotten Mold after having to play the same 25 oldies for three years. But anyway, Cookie put together a montage, and this is it. Now, WIXZ McKeesport continues with much more Wixie 1360 Solid Rock and Gold. Say yes. Say no. Say no. Say no. 
1967, hello, goodbye at 7.03 in the morning. A witchy solid rock and gold for the morning rush hour. Sunny and cold today. Radar says a near 0% chance of precipitation. A big hand for Mr. and Mrs. Arnold Paluski celebrating their 25th refrigerator payment today. <laughs> Little off the cuff humor there. A Canadian group which has infiltrated the U.S. of A. back in 1969. Mother load when I died. Wixie 1360, where the hits roll on. Osmond Brothers get it on. Little hippie lingo there. Currently downtown, it's 19 degrees. Again, shooting for a high today of 31. This is Mercy. Women's Liberation theme song. Love can make you happy. Mercy. Chicks from New York City. This is WIXZ McKeesport. Right. Love can make you happy. Women's liberation theme. See, it was under the feminazis even back in 1971. Oh, of course I hit the posts. There was nobody better at hitting the posts. That's talking up the music intro right to where they begin singing. That was, of course, I can still do it. Absolutely. That's uh, the timing talent. Now, I want to jump forward to, let's see. Uh, let's go soundbite four and five. Um, Sacramento, California was the first place in my radio career where I had any kind of success. I spent 10 years in Kansas City prior to that, five in radio and five working for the Kansas City Royals. And in none of that could I honestly say I had any success. And in some of those places, some of those 10 years, I wasn't even viewed as somebody who might be successful. And after five years at the baseball team, and I figured out I'd, I I just can't stand corporate life. It was too constricting. I'm not enough of a conformist. I don't collaborate. I don't want to collaborate. Those five years at the Royals, I met people I would have otherwise met, but it, I also learned what I was not good at doing. Uh, and so I ended up back in radio because it's the one thing I was I was happy at doing. And Sacramento, California is where I went. And that was the first time. I was, that's 1988. And I started radio in 1966. 20 years. I was 16 or 15 when I started. I've been 20 years. It took 20 years to have anything like success. The first time in my whole broadcast career that I had any idea what a success track felt like and looked like. I knew what it didn't look like. <laughs> I knew what it didn't feel like. But I'd never experienced it until Sacramento, which is why I've always said that my adopted hometown, and uh, it was the first place I had lived outside of my hometown where I actually planted roots and became part of the community rather than just a passing personality uh passing through town onto the next town, hoping for the next break. So after I left KFPK to do this program nationally, there was a natural pull to go back there and to express gratitude for all of the people there who had made it possible. So we started the Rush to Excellence Tour, which if you've seen a Trump rally, it's what the Rush to Excellence Tour was. When this program started, nobody knew who I was and nobody thought syndicated radio in the daytime had a prayer. A bunch of people had tried it, moderate success, and I was just the next one. And if it didn't work, nobody would think anything of it other than nice try. I figured it would set me up for a better job later if it didn't work. 
because it never had. People thought you had to be local, local, local in the daytime doing radio. I didn't believe that, wanted a chance to show it. So uh, I started the Rush to Excellence Tour. Every time we got a new affiliate, I would go there. I would go for a weekend. I'd, I'd arrive on a Friday night, uh, have dinner with the radio station people, and do a personal appearance on Saturday night and fly back to New York on Sunday. And I did that 48 weekends a year for the first two years to cement a relationship with the stations that took the show and to cement a, a bond with the audience. I was stunned at how many people showed up. I moved to 5,000. If the place held 10,000, that's how many showed up. And I would do an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, uh, with just some notes to remind me things I wanted to say. And that's why when Trump started his rallies, I, I knew exactly what was going on. I, I was able to spot the bond because I had lived it. And I knew exactly uh, what was going to happen with Trump's supporters sticking with him because I had lived it. It had happened. Well, one of those Rush to Excellence tours, I was I hell-bent on going back to Sacramento because uh, I felt I owed them so much. KFBK, the the city, Sacramento, the, the, the audience there, the people that live there. And this was in, I don't know what month this was, but uh, I think it was summertime because it was very hot. And I put the, the roof at Arco Arena open during the day for what reason? I don't know. Probably some lib who wanted me. We were videotaping this. I said, I show up, you know, three hours before the event, and the roof's up. What do you do do with the roof? Don't worry, it closes and it cools down real fast. Well, it didn't. But anyway, the place was over 15,000 people uh, in the place. Clarence Frogman Henry showed up to sing Ain't Got No Home. And the local paper wrote a very caustic piece of Frogman claiming he was clueless, didn't know how he was being used. He, He loved it. His career was being revived. Yeah, the greatest time. But we got a couple of sound bites from that rush to excellence appearance. And it's I think it's cuts four and five, and we have time to squeeze them both in. So here's the first. Six years ago, I was working for the Kansas City Royals. I had been in radio 12 years previous to that. I was working for the Kansas City Royals six years ago. It was the end of five years there. After five years there, I was making... $18,000 a year. Now, I don't know what kind of money that sounds like to you, but believe me, in Kansas City, Missouri, at age 32, it's an embarrassment if you take yourself seriously. And I was, I was miserable. I was unhappy. I was aimless. I had given up on radio. I thought I'd already failed at that. I'd bombed out as a DJ. All I knew was Donnie Osmond's birthday, a couple of other things, and nobody's going to take DJs seriously. It really, I was down in the dumps. I had nowhere to go. I was really without any self-esteem whatsoever. And I talked to some friends and they said, you know, you're blaming the wrong people for this. It's not the royals. It's not your friends. You're sitting there miserable. Why do you put up with it? If you don't like it, do something else. I said, what am I going to do? They said, well, what are you best at? And I said, probably being on the radio. Well, there's your answer. Do what you're best at. And you'll at least be happy, regardless how well you do it. So I decided to give radio one more chance. And it brought me here. To KFBK Sacramento is actually a a broadcast consultant who was consulting the station in Kansas City that I really went back to work for after the Royals five years. And uh, 
he was the one who arranged. He said, this guy's got a chance to be something. So they actually was hired to replace Morton Downey Jr. Got fired for telling a, an ethnic joke. Uh, so anyway, here's the next continuation of this. See, nope, nope, we don't because I got to take a break or we're going to be in big trouble. So the part two of that is coming up right after this. We're back on our 30th anniversary today. We're combining a number of elements into our usual program. Uh, we're doing some archival stuff, some memory things. You know, things popping into my head. There is There is no way that I could begin to touch on or cover all of what I think are the important things that have enabled this program to thrive because there's so many different events. There's so many people that have been involved and and starting down the road of trying to remember them. And it started at the beginning, your chronological order. The minute you forget somebody, uh, you got problems. You can't mention them all. Maybe it's better not to start, but then some of them are so important. You have to mention them. Um, so I'm hoping there's enough time left today to do as much of this uh, as as I can, because that's what anniversary days are for. I remember Johnny Carson on his last show for the Tonight Show uh, made a point of saying this is not a performance show, meaning there were no guests, no monologue, no jokes, no nothing. It was it was strictly a recap. It had some highlights. It had some heartfelt remembrances from Johnny Carson himself, but he made a point of saying that it wasn't a performance. And then that was not an anniversary. It was his last show. Uh, this is an anniversary show and parts of it are a performance show, but parts of it are archival and, and filled with remembrance. It's what I mean about combining these elements. Now, here is the second half of the bite. This is from the Rush to Excellence tour stop in 1989. I, I hadn't even been in New York a year yet. Maybe, maybe 13 months. It could have been a year, but I don't think so. Uh, Kept being pulled back to Sacramento because how important it was in making uh, this program possible. So here's the second part. There's there's 15,000 people in the crowd here. This is what's called Arco Arena then. Um, yeah, this hit it. This whole experience, not one bit of it is work. Not one bit of it. It is all just more fun than I've ever had in my life. It is absolutely no hardship whatsoever to fly around the country, to see people, to be on the radio or any of that, but especially to come back here. You know, you enjoy my show, and I appreciate that, more than you'll ever know. I don't want to beat this into the ground. I'm sure you've all felt like you weren't going to ever amount to anything, even though you knew you were capable of it. I felt that way. The only difference between you and me is that I'm up here and you're out there. And the only reason I'm up here is because you're out there, right? It's true. You may enjoy my show, but I'll tell you, you people, especially you people in this town, in this area, you don't know it, so I'm gonna tell you, you rejuvenated my life. Because a successful radio person is not a success simply because he does what he does. People have to listen to it, appreciate it, and support it. And everybody in this room has. I mean, for me, six years ago, to be mired in loneliness and aimlessly walking through life, and then to come here and have tickets sell out in two hours? My friends, that hits me in the heart like nothing you can ever imagine will. I mean, I'll tell you. I... 
you have rejuvenated my life and you have made me something I never even thought I could be. And I have just one thing to say to you, a sincere and heartfelt thank you. That was in Sacramento. I wish I knew the month. It was 1989. I'd have to look it up on the calendar. Rush Dexon story. It had to be summertime because it's hot as hell. I mean, hot, 110 degrees in the daytime out there. And uh, as I say, they had the roof open all day. So what the hell is going on? I mean, I did this thing in a tux. We were videotaping it. It went off like a like a dream. Anyway, it's fun to relive these uh, these little things, uh, these old moments. That stuff sounds just, I, I remember Sacramento like it was yesterday. It doesn't seem like 30 years ago. One more archival soundbite here, a little trip down memory lane. Uh, it's hard to illustrate 30 years in sound bites, but we can teach a couple of lessons. You know, the update, which was a musical portion of the program, one of the principal ways that I pioneered combining politics with comedy and music. Uh, a lot of people have done it since, but it first happened here. The com- combination, serious discussion irreverent humor, the playing of rock and roll music on uh, programs that people thought the audience would not be interested in, pioneering stuff. And it was used to educate, to laugh, to create humor, and also inform people of things I wanted them to know about the left. Barney Frank update time! Homeless. Sometimes I sing with this. I'm a lonely frog. Bring out home. Update time in a Yugo. And the Rush Limbaugh program. And the master the gown and the knees on the chest are gonna save enough gas for all. General Dinkins update theme. There's a holdup in the Bronx. Brooklyn's broken out in fights. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that's backed up to Jackson Heights. There's a scout troop short a child cruise to General David Dinkins, where are you? It's time for a timber update. It's time for a gay community update theme, folks. The vocal portrayal here by the late and great Klaus Nunn. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to say. This is our animal rights update theme. Andy Williams in his elevator shoes with the tooth. Peace update Slim Whitman sings When the sun shines on the mountain And the night is on the run A feminist update The feminazis are livid at me Because of, well, general principles 
And that's how we taught. That's how we laughed and made uh, people aware of the mockery of the left and what they really were and what things they believed in. And we occasionally go back to the Grooveyard Forgotten Hits and relive them. Anyway, I'm out of time here, folks. I don't have time to thank people, so we'll do that tomorrow. Thank you all for being with us today and for every day you have been here the past 30 years. It is profoundly and deeply appreciated, and we know how important it is. And it's taken very seriously and with a great deal of respect. I look forward to all of you being back here same time tomorrow, revved and ready to do it all over.